0: Are you a data-oriented person, and do you try to convince with solid facts? Do you find that, despite perfect preparation, your message is not landing as expected? If this resonates with you, this episode is for you. I am pleased to welcome Oscar Santolala, author of Rock the Tech Stage and Deliver a Killer Product Demo. He will share with us unusual tactics to be an influential leader in tech. Whether you are working in a technology company or not, if you want to learn more about how to present better, inspire others, and sell more, tune in now. Welcome to Charisma Hacks, the show where you get strategies, tools, and mind training to learn to speak from your innermost conviction, to own who you truly are, and to stand in your full power. I am Ulrike and I am wholeheartedly dedicated to empowering leaders to connect with their authentic self so that they can sparkle from the inside and lead and communicate with charisma. I'm pleased to welcome my guest of today, Oscar Santolala, author of Rock the Stage and Create and Deliver a Killer Product Demo. After a decade and a half in the technology arena, Oscar embarked on a mission to help people in technology companies present better, inspire others, and sell more. Since 2014, he hosts the public speaking podcast Time to Shine, for which he has interviewed more than 150 communication professionals. Born and raised in Peru, Oscar joins us from Helsinki in Finland. Oscar, you have experience with a lot of people in the tech world, and we often see that people who are rather technology-focused have difficulties to inspire others when they present their activities or their products. What are the major challenges in this area?
1: I can see a pattern of the majority of of speakers in tech that, yeah, they struggle to inspire, to present their, their main message, their ideas clear. And among the main reasons, first of all, is using too much facts and data. Using too much of that is one problem that is important. And the second one is the the language. The language people use is full of uh, buzzwords, jargon, too many acronyms, etc. So all that makes an amalgam of language. is very, very difficult to, to hear. When you hear phrases full of this jargon, to me it gives a headache and it's hard to process and it's hard to be inspired, of course. People use uh, jargon in every different industry. Like if, if we are, for instance, in the data identity industry, we have some jargon. In another industry, they will not understand. And even though we are somehow co- related, but no, they don't understand because it's so specific. Then we come the buzzwords, buzzwords such as cutting edge, leading edge, um, next generation, a lot of that which you might have seen a lot in the press releases, especially in the written press releases where you can see maybe 50% of that is, is just this type of buzzword. And But th- those type of work get contagious. They come often from the words, from the voices and from the pens that people we already admire. So if we hear, next generation from a person we admire or some newer uh, buzzword, we are going to think that, yeah, this is the way we should use this language. And it's it's contagious in a bad way. Those are some reasons why uh, people don't convey their message clearly and don't inspire people. So
0: it's about refraining from the temptation to using too many expert words. These buzzwords, as you say, what I feel quite often that people use corporate language. They Mm. have this... um, Way of speaking in a very corporate way. Oh, yes. Like in a press release.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Sounding a bit like that. And by this, they create a huge distance with the audience because people connect to okay. human beings and not to robots who speak like uh, perfectly written and prepared text. What would be a, a first advice that you can give to the audience how they can change this?
1: Yeah, definitely. As you said, and corporate language is jargon after all. It's kind of business mm-hmm. jargon, no? trying to sound smart, but just having the opposite effect <laughs> what are the tools I start with one tool that directly addresses the language if I tell you Ulrike your voice is music to my ears that is first of all a phrase that you have heard before and also by hearing those words music to my ears you're already imagining something your mind is creating these visual images of, of music something related to music my ears uh, you're having a smile so it's It's something that is easy to convey the the idea, which literally would be your voice is pleasant. So that would be a literal way to say the same. But using metaphors is richer. And metaphors is something that we use very often, even without noticing. And, And we hear it very often without noticing. Coming to the tech world and also to the business world, because I'll give you one quote of a person who who strongly believes in, in metaphors and, and he uses and he creates his own metaphor. It's from the founder and CEO for Salesforce who is Mark Benoff. He said that relate your product to something that is current and relevant and that everyone understands. So that's it. Metaphors, what they do is they connect something that everybody knows. It's very familiar such as music with the new concept that you want to introduce, the new product. You want to show this new product and and try to people to understand what it is and why they should uh, care about that. So connecting these two words, one very, very, very familiar and the other still unknown for for the moment. So connecting those is the key of metaphors. And there are many metaphors that we we hear often, such as the use of the expression cherry picking. Imagine someone picking a cherry in some forest or some, some field, and that is used for selecting the typical statistics or of, of facts, just to prove your point. Cherry picking is one metaphor. Another metaphor is, for instance, if you say that the company had a pebble in their shoes when doing this new project, having that hard, a big obstacle. But you can imagine pebble in my shoes, okay, I have a, my shoes, one pebble, <laughs> something that Causes me pain, discomfort. So that something you can, you create a visual image on your mind. And you, oh, okay, this is what it does. So metaphors do that. They replace literal meaning with some words that have visual language. That's the key of the metaphor, having visual language. Everybody will, will paint a picture and will help to understand. I think metaphor is a great tool that I encourage people to, to use them more. And if possible, create your own metaphors.
0: I think this idea of metaphors is a very interesting one. I have never phrased it like that when I do my (laughs) communications training so far. But you're right. When I listen to you, what was compelling to me is that they actually address also all our senses. So that means in a presentation, you cannot come up with something that has a Mm -hmm. certain smell or you cannot put up, yeah, you can put up photos on your PowerPoint, but nobody's interested in that really. But you draw an image. Sometimes you have even taste in your mouth with the cherry picking, you think about something. Yeah, it is really tangible. The music in my ear suddenly goes into this hearing area. So you can address with metaphors, the different senses. Now I can imagine that people might think now, okay, Great. So if if I now just put in metaphors everywhere in my speech, from when onwards is it too much?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think you you have to use a few in, in your speech, not too many, because that might be there might be the risk that one metaphor is is perfect in, in one country or one industry. But outside that, it's not going to be understood. As simple as that. So you have to be careful to to choose in which audience you're going to tell them.
0: It's about finding the right balance in between Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and some of the facts that you have, obviously, to mention, but removing a maximum of facts that are not necessary, a maximum of buzzwords, a maximum of these... Yeah, these filler words that make you look like an expert. But finally, people know probably anyway that you're an expert. This is why you are standing in front of them and deliver a message about, for example, a product launch or something else. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to prove anymore that you're an expert. And getting this out of our minds and instead focusing on delivering a message that is, on the one hand, easy to understand. And as you said before, it's relevant for people. It's something they can relate to and easily understand then you win probably the game you said before it's about storytelling this famous storytelling i know a lot of leaders who have heard that inside out and they can't hear it anymore but still they can't do it also <laughs> so they still don't know exactly how can i do this and especially more data focused people have difficulties to but what story should I invent about this? Isn't that artificial? Can I still be authentic if I do this? Would this fit to my personality? What, what do you tell people who have these kind of doubts around storytelling and how can this help them?
1: Stories is, is one of the, the top tools that you can use. It, it's the most essential actually. It's the simplest. It's simpler than creating metaphor for sure, it's simplest because everybody has lived. Experiences, so you can tell that story, or you have heard stories from others, which you can share. Yeah, about stories. First of all, everybody should use them. That's for sure. Will make much easier your ideas to be conveyed. And there are many type of stories that you can use. For instance, on, on my book "Rock the Tech Stage," I, I, I have a chapter about stories. I mentioned that you can have the, for a company, techno especially for a perspective of technology company, you have you might have. The founder story, the founder of either you were the founder of that company. You shared why you started this this business, why were those original struggles, and of course the uh, the introspection, the, the success part, or where you are now, where you're heading now. But you could also tell the story of the the founder. You don't have to be the founder to tell the story of the founder, but that's one type of story. Another and and is key here is the uh, the user story, the person who is using the product uh, ultimately, and that's very, very powerful. It's all related to the testimonials that we hear, uh, customer reviews, so from there, you can find raw material for creating those stories if you craft them in a nice way. The other type of stories a bit more complex, such as uh, I remember one that uh, Steve Jobs used when they delivered in 1984, the, the first Macintosh, which at that time was of course a revolutionary product. It was A a graphical interface never seen before. That was way beyond the, the competition, ahead of the competition. And he read 1984, a book that has been written decades before that, and in which there was the Big Brother, the evil. And he uses the comparison of Apple being the hero, the only one who is facing Big Brother. And Big Brother, well, at that time, Big Brother was IBM, the was a huge company uh, that was also entering into the personal computer uh, field. That's a bit more tricky to, to find those stories, but there are, there's different types of stories you can share. I mean, you, you don't have to be the character of every story that you're saying.
0: Instead of bringing up just some, some facts about why this product is a great product, you can simply share a story of someone who already used it And how they reacted to it, how excited they were when using it and sharing even some of the emotions of this person, because then you will touch probably the hearts of the audience and not just their heads with a few bullet points on a PowerPoint slide. Yeah, yeah, I think this makes a big difference. And people often feel not very safe in doing this. They feel that there is safety in using bullet points, PowerPoints and facts and having this like a script on the wall. What do you think (laughs) about that?
1: Yeah, it's a, a matter of confidence. Of course, not every inspiring or effective confidence speaker was always like that. I mean, everybody has struggled and been lack of confidence. How do I say? What should I say? Why should I not say? So I should do PowerPoint because everybody's using. So for many reasons, I think it's a lot of about the confidence that you, you are not sure if I would go in that direction, especially if not, nobody tells you. If there's not a, a mentor someone, in your career or that tells you okay explore this or try this well you you were just to follow a bit timidly <laughs> what do you think is the best way
0: so far we spoke mostly about the structure and content it's about replacing some dry facts jargon buzzwords by metaphors and by storytelling then you prepare your speech you prepare your powerpoint or whatever mm-hmm. yeah presentation You prepare that and you have a wonderful story and you have the feeling I found the right balance with a couple of metaphors here and there so that it creates this image. And now I have a wonderful speech and now I will deliver it and go out. (laughs) Nonetheless, I can imagine that this is one of the most difficult things to do because for people, when they do it the first time in a different way, it will be very unfamiliar. And so it will be pretty scary. And on the other hand, they will have a low level of confidence, quite a lot of doubt if this will work out truly, because normally they don't do it this way, Mm -hmm. and they will maybe deliver it in a way that stays pretty stiff and is not convincing despite the fact that it's a wonderful speech. How can people move to a way of presenting this that is up to the level of content they created?
1: When I did more and more research from successful speakers, from coaches... I notice is key, is passion. Passion is very important because, as you know, passion is is contagious. It's not the same if you hear someone who, even if this person, as you said, has taken the time to, to create decent stories, making ideas clear. So in paper, this person is ready. But if this person doesn't show passion, enough enthusiasm about what, what he, was, he is saying, he might also feel that. Okay, it doesn't uh, ignite us, it doesn't inspire enough as well. It's it's not enough. Uh, there's one quote by actually a lot, it's a, it's a lot of music today. I <laughs> have a quote about from Bruce Springsteen. He said that an audience is not brought to you or given to you, it's something that you fight for. So he meant that. He had to fight for the audience, convincing that I am the rock star and I'm going to entertain all of you and you are going to ask me more and more songs. That's what is important, the, 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 the passion. There are examples. I mentioned Spanos Pane from, from Microsoft. When you see him, the way he expresses with her, her body language and also the way David uh, uses his voice, changing all the time of tone and, and intensity, you feel passion in that person. It's, it's not only about the stories, it's not only about what he's saying, but how he's saying. And that is contagious. You feel like, oh, this person really cares about this product. He really wants to bring out the best possible products uh, to people. So it's, it's so contagious when you see a person like that uh, expressing, expressing themselves. And if I can give one piece of advice about that, is it matters what you decide to speak. So you have to choose speaking topics, that you are already passionate about that is a key that will already help you to find the motivation to do the preparation for the talks you will find the stories and you will have the energy the passion to be in front of an audience and do your best to to share your ideas
0: what if i am an introvert and i struggle heavily in showing this emotion because passion is a very strong emotion and the fact that i probably love this project mm-hmm. is it's an emotion that i have to share and if i am an introvert what can I do? <laughs>
1: that's a, that's a de- definitely a very, very good, good question. But you don't have to be like a passionate. I don't know if you remember also Steve Ballmer jumping, sweating on the, the stage many years ago. You don't have to be super passionate, like showing a lot of that. But on your own style, I don't remember the name of the person, but I remember a few years ago there was in a, in a gaming conference, one guy showing uh, his story of how he developed a, one game. And the game was based on what's called Yarny, I believe, Uh, like a character in the, in the woods, he made it with his own hands. The prototype with, with yarns, like he created with wires and he went there. He was like, how to say, quite shy, not full of passion, but he looked so authentic. He showed passion about that. Even though he was not shouting, he was not uh, up and down with the voice. He was not showing (laughs) all the body language. But he expresses himself with passion and about that in his own style. So I don't believe that's an impediment to show your passion.
0: I think it's a fantastic strength. Passion is one of the key pillars of communicating with charisma, which are authenticity, confidence, presence and passion. And out of these four, I think passion it's probably the one that is the most difficult to generate, especially when the topic you have to speak about, and you cannot always choose your topic in the business world. Yeah, That's you correct. have to present whatever, whatever's coming your way. Yes. And there might be topics where you have to convince still, because it's an important project, but you're not really passionate about this. Mm. How can you help it to still become something that is inspiring and convincing somehow the audience?
1: Yeah, yeah. I got one idea. Of course, sometimes we have to speak um, about topics or give a report or something that we are not super passionate about. It's our duty. We have to do it. Yeah. In in those cases, what I recommend is to think of a real passion that you have a real interest that you have outside outside that work, outside that technology or that field. It might be something like sports can be uh, some hobbies, can be a nature, something that you really care you really care about that and what one example can be and make the parallels between those make the parallels find the stories in 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 your real passion your out-of-work passion and and combine them for instance imagine you have to give a report about a, a manufacturing or a software developer project you are the leader of that and you know that this project is going to take long, might take two years or even more. You know, it's difficult. We know that. You have to explain that. You have to give a report. You have to explain the, the vision, etc. the timeline. What you can do is to talk about, for instance, if you are a marathon runner, so you make a parallels between talking about the endurance, the motivation that you need to, to complete a marathon with the same elements, this motivation that you need to finish such a difficult project. So you should not be shy about using those stories. Combine those stories. It will be more interesting because you will use stories there. So that's what I recommend. Combine, make parallels between your real passion out of work and the topic you have to present.
0: It's helpful to step into another type of mindset when you deliver whatever presentation to just have much more impact with it. Now, when it comes to speaking to an audience and you're sitting in front of or standing in front of all of these people, I know a lot of people, and I was like that myself as well, who are so keen on delivering the perfect presentation and the perfect speech and to deliver everything they have prepared, everything that we have also said now in the past 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. Um, but then they totally forget that there is an audience so oh, yeah. it becomes a little bit of this self-serving uh, show <laughs> and and despite they do everything right everything like we just said before they still don't land your message what is your take on this
1: yeah i think it's it's all about the the interaction so it, which is becoming a more and more important skill especially now that we're using a lot of video, video conference and, and remote meetings. Etc. So interaction is one key tool that we have to master. I think most of us have been using already in the last year, last 10 years at least, but not too much. We join a team's meeting and we present, we talk, and we get a job done. That has been in the past, but today that's not acceptable. That's not enough. You want to be an effective leader, effective communicator, you have to master these tools. You must have to master the interaction tool, especially because this virtual work. Uh, it's something I call often, actually I, create a, I create a metaphor, <laughs> I call it teletransport us to your living room. So you teletransport your audience to your living room. And what does mean? Make people feel that we are just less than one meter close each other, that we are in the same place, in the same moment, we are together here. Uh, try to recreate that, that feeling, that being in the same place, sitting down on a couch. So that's what we have to do. And in order to do that, for me, it's more about the simple tools. There is tech, of course, there is interactive polls, this kind of stuff. There's tech, yes, but I I go more into the the basics. And the basics, ask questions, ask questions to your audience. You can start uh, asking questions and of course, good questions that already bring people to your topic. Uh, You can use questions throughout the talk in order to, to get some response in order to make people think, like sometimes you want a response and sometimes you can use those rhetorical questions in which you don't expect an answer. You just say something like, what if we will be using only remote talks for the rest of your life? So what if, so people will start thinking and they're connected with what you're saying by making people think reflect. You will bring them back to your topic to what you are saying. Rhetorical questions are the simplest tools and once another simple tool is actually just minutes before my presentation. I'm going to write down just a few things what has happened today or what will happen today. What the previous speaker has said, uh, who is the next speaker coming, what is he or she going to talk about. So take these notes and has there been any anecdote during the event? Have you met some people in the coffee room or in the breakout rooms? Any anecdote? Take notes and use that information blended to your talk. And that's not going to be difficult. That will not derail you too much adding these information within your presentation. And that's fabulous because that will make people feel that we are in the same place, we are together. And this, this is not Oscar video recorded. <laughs>
0: That's true. And it it requires a little bit of flexibility. It requires a bit of courage to not having the full control over your speech, because as soon as you go into any kind of interaction and be it only asking a rhetorical question, you will have a reaction in the audience. They might start to laugh, for example. There might be another rumor, noise, or something like that. And as a speaker, you must be ready and prepared that this kicks you out a little bit of your script, obviously. And I'm a firm believer in having these true authentic moments that when people just go away from their script Mm -hmm. that these moments are the most valuable ones in the whole speech because this is where this approach is happening between the audience and the speaker as you said before if you come up with an anecdote that what just happened before Mm -hmm. or you pick up maybe a sentence of somebody that was said by somebody just before they also see that you were in the audience and listening to the same thing, yes. and that you're also reflecting on this and it's a very integrative and inclusive approach. So it's pretty simple, and it doesn't require so much preparation, but it requires a lot of attention, I think, and flexibility. Yes, do You see this happening often in the tech world as a best practice that it's really done.
1: Sometimes, sometimes um, I have seen people doing that and it's, it's nice, feels feels good, feels that it feels more interesting, feels live, feels that this person is, is really talking to us and has been, as you said, paying attention to the previous speaker. It's not just uh, delivering their stuff. So, so happens sometimes and it's not super difficult. I would say it's, just, it's just one of the easiest things to do, but yeah, it requires, as you said, courage, to the, this confidence to, I will just do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I see people doing this, I always have the feeling, wow, they are really good speakers, because they have this flexibility, they can be spontaneous, and they are still the master of their content. And this gives me a lot of confidence in their message as well. So I think it's a great tool. And it's a rather simple one, once you get used to it. Mm-hmm. There was one last thing which you would like to say to our audience here when they when they stop listening to us today. What is the first thing they can start with? You gave a lot of tips today, so it will be a bit overwhelming maybe. What's
1: the first well, thing? I, I hope not. I hope it's not overwhelming. but I hope. <laughs> What makes the impact is when you put these new things in practice and also the, the things that you, know, you knew already. But put the things in practice. So I would just recommend you to practice i'll give you a, a combined exercise that all of you can do it's related to the last one interaction you have to get used to speak in front of a camera get better and better get more comfortable enjoy it more so it's important because you will look uh, smiley you will look and you enjoy what you are doing so just for that you have to do it more often and often so i recommend people do i don't know once a week record yourself in front of the camera just a uh, I don't know, couple of minutes, just one portion of our presentation. And and also, of course, try to sound passionate in your own style. Try to, when you record it and then you listen to it, try to feel, are you really showing your passionate version of you? Practicing the video recording yourself uh, and noticing that you are more and more comfortable uh, and showing your passionate side, that will be a very uh, very helpful exercise if you do it regularly.
0: Thank you for listening to Charisma Hacks. If you want to level up your profile and become a charismatic leader, able to communicate, engage and motivate in an inspiring and authentic way, you've come to the right place. Subscribe now to this show or reach out to me and get more strategies, tools and mind training to sparkle
1: from the inside.